The reading this Easter day is from the Gospel of John. We're reading completely through chapter 20, and you can find this on page 1545 of our Church Pew Bible. Page 1545, John chapter 20, commencing at verse 1, and would you please follow it along with me in your Bibles. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realise that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned towards him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and to your, my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, 
was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This ends the reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning. Lovely to see you all. Lovely to meet uh, some of you that uh, I haven't met before. Uh, it's, it's great that you could uh, join us uh, for this special today. Now, I'm going to focus on that last bit that uh, uh, Dudley just read to us about Thomas, uh, because today I want us to walk on a journey, uh, a journey from unbelief to belief. Uh, what's the data on belief in Australia? Uh, uh, ABS re released stats just this week that 44% uh, of Australians mark themselves down as Christian. Now, I don't know about you, that, that seems a little bit high to me. Uh, uh, in slightly older statistics, 43% of Australians believe in the resurrection of Jesus. That is, that, that Jesus died and came back to life. Now, I don't know about you, but, but that seems a little bit high to me too. Uh, it's good. It's higher than I thought. I mean, if you did stats on the journalists that produce the news that we read, I suspect they'd be significantly lower, right? Those statistics. Uh, but even if it is a little high, uh, less than half of Australians believe the central foundation of today, Easter Day, uh, that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, for those who do, for the 43% of Australians who do believe that Jesus rose from the dead, uh, it, it, there's fantastic implications. Uh, and Jesus' promise of heaven is made possible by his coming back to life. Um, it's great news for those who are struggling with grief. It's great news for those who are battling terminal illness. It's great news for those people who feel the pressure to pack everything into a very short life. It's great news. But then, of course, if the resurrection is true, if he did rise, how sad is it that the majority of Australians don't have that strong anchor, that strong hope? I think one of the reasons I'm so surprised that <clears throat> so many Australians believe the resurrection is that the claim that someone can rise from the dead is actually in itself pretty unbelievable. 
uh, it's not as if when you believe in the resurrection, you're believing something very believable like the sun will come up tomorrow morning. It's not of that order, is it? It's a different order. Uh, I mean, I live next door to a graveyard. And as I look over the colour bond, not once have I seen soil move and someone jump out of a grave. Like, are you surprised? Of course you're not. You wouldn't expect that, would you? 57% of Australians who don't believe in the resurrection have got a point. That is, like, according to many Australians, particularly young Australians, they, they think that this belief in resurrection is a fairy story. Uh, and it, it's... It's one of, that's one of the reasons why I just reckon that account that Dudley just read to you of Thomas is so brilliant. Because we meet a, a man named Thomas, uh, some call him Doubting Thomas, uh, and we travel with him on this journey uh, from, from, just, from doubt, you could call it, that the resurrection is inconceivable, right through to belief that the resurrection uh, has evidence to back it up. And we've got to remember, uh, it's not as if the resurrection used to be a reasonable thing in the first century. It wasn't back then either. They didn't see graves move just like we don't. That someone rises from the dead has always been an entirely unreasonable suggestion. And that's what Thomas thought. He's watched Jesus live. He's seen Jesus die. And that is the information on which he's basing his decisions. Because as we come to our, our passage that uh, uh, Dudley read for us, uh, Thomas has begun to hear people saying that they've seen this dead man Jesus walking and talking. Uh, and you can imagine when you hear that kind of thing, your antenna goes up, doesn't it? You're, just, you're looking for tricks and traps and April Fool's jokes. You know, like you, you, when people are saying that kind of things, your, your antenna is tuned. Uh, but the problem was it wasn't just any people. It was people Thomas knew. It was Mary. Mary had sworn that she'd seen Jesus. And perhaps, you know, Thomas puts that down to her grief. Perhaps she's just overwrought with grief and that's what she wanted to see. But then 10 other disciples come to him. They swore too that they'd seen Jesus come back from the dead in a locked room. You know, Thomas would be forgiven for thinking maybe it's a padded locked room. But do you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's so unbelievable, isn't it? They were saying they'd seen a beaten, incarcerated, crucified criminal appear in a locked room at an undisclosed location. If, if, Australia, if Thomas was Australian, you know what he would have said? Yeah, right, what a load of uh, rubbish um, or something like that. Uh, Thomas refuses to believe the spoken accounts of the reappearance of Jesus. And you can see it in our passage. Have a look at, uh, have you got it open there? Chapter 20, verse 25. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he, Thomas, but he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my fingers where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. The disciples expected Thomas to believe, but Thomas did not. He didn't want to hear their witness. He wanted to see the wounds. We all know someone like Thomas, don't we? Sceptical, you know, pig-headed, stubborn, favourite phrase, yeah, right. You know someone like that? Tap them if they're sitting next to you. 
Thomases are frustrating people to live with, aren't they? Hey, Thomas, your auntie's on the phone. Yeah, right. Hey, Thomas, I didn't move your wallet. Yeah, you did. Uh, um, hey, Thomas, parcel's at the front door for you. Yeah, right. You know, like it's, it, it gets wearing, doesn't it? Unlike the disciples, Thomas has not seen Jesus. Uh, perhaps he was out fishing. I don't know. Perhaps he was scared of the authorities, rounding up troublemakers, you know, trying to put an end to this cult. Uh, but for whatever reason, Thomas had not seen the reappearance of Jesus after death and he would not believe it unless he got his hands bloodier than a butcher by the wounds of Jesus. He would not believe. Now, Thomas sets the bar for evidence required that high. Now, I presided over many, many funerals, including two that I can remember that had an open casket, which is a little bit more confronting. But not once at any of those funerals has the deceased hopped out and got out of the coffin and joined us. Everyone would freak out. I would freak out. I'm not sure what I'd do. But friends, if you're following Jesus, that's actually literally what you believe Jesus did. He, he, he literally got out of the coffin, the tomb, uh, after dying. That's actually what you believe. And so I'm grateful that Thomas's criteria is that high for this because it needs to be. Now, Thomas might be a pain to live with, but he knows what we know. Dead people don't come back to life. And he set the bar for evidence required that high. Now, I've spent a bit of time with Thomas in this story. Uh, and I just want to switch sides and spend a bit of time with Jesus, his side of the story. Um, see, if I was Jesus, I'm not, I recognise that. But, but if I was Jesus, I'd be pretty upset with Thomas's attitude, wouldn't you? If I was Jesus, I would say something like this to Thomas. Thomas, I've told you 19 times that I'm coming back to life. Uh, how many more times did I have to tell you? Um, what, what's more, I, I told Mary to tell you. You didn't believe what I said before I died. You didn't believe what Mary said after I came back to life. And then last Sunday at the gathering of the disciples, you weren't there. You missed it. I left the grave to come to the first new church ever and you weren't there. And if, it's not, if that's not enough, I told the 10 others to come and tell you that you'd seen me and you didn't believe them either. I've been mocked, I've been spat at, I've been beaten, I've been nailed, I've been speared. And now, Thomas, you have the audacity that we're going to come and stick your fishy, grubby fingers in my wounds. If I were Jesus, that's what I'd say. But thank God that Jesus is not like me. Do you see how graciously he deals with Thomas and people like him? Verse 26. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your fingers here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put them into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Notice how kind and gracious Jesus is to cagey and slow believers. And Jesus, once again, is willing for his body to be manhandled for the sake of others. With, with the purpose expressed in the patient command, stop doubting and believe. 
Do you know, I'm so grateful for Thomas. He might have been a pain to live with, but because of him, we have this written evidence that is before us that, that is so compelling uh, because his bar for evidence was necessarily high. But it, of course, it needs to be that high, doesn't it? Because the resurrection from the dead is a remarkable thing that we're called on to believe here. And from time to time, you, you hear people, those who claim to be Christians, Anglicans, Baptists, Catholics, ministers, bishops, who say Jesus' resurrection wasn't physical, it was only spiritual. And all they're proving is, is either they haven't read the Bible or they're just choosing not to believe it. A surprise awaits them when they meet Jesus, as we all will. As other Bible writers recognise that, that, that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, Christianity is a farce. Uh, the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, 14, and if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. That's how important this is. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, the Christian faith is useless without resurrection. Without the resurrection of Jesus, Christianity is comical. It is a fairy story. And if without the resurrection, we're rightly a laughing stock for being here. And so that's why we can be so grateful for Thomas. He's shown us that he's only going to believe the most extraordinary event with compelling evidence. And so Thomas sets us up as readers of the evidence. As a result of Thomas, we are in a way better position to engage with the evidence for ourselves. Now, if you're a bit of a, a Thomas, you know, interested in Christianity, but still with hesitations, let me invite you to that course that uh, Mark mentioned earlier. Uh, fill out the card and we'll be in contact. Uh, there's a whole session on the resurrection. Uh, the resurrection is that important. It's funny, I saw a cartoon the other day, uh, uh, Thomas uh, was with the disciples uh, and he said, you don't call Peter uh, denying Peter. You don't call Mark, runaway naked Mark. Why should I be settled with, you know, doubting Thomas, right? It's funny, Jesus is more gracious and patient with doubters than I would have been, uh, even as I was one. But you see the result of Jesus offering Thomas the evidence he needed. You see in verse 27, and then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands, reach out your hand, put it in my side, stop doubting and believe. You see Thomas's response, verse 28. Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Thomas recognises that Jesus was alive. He recognises that he was in, there in the flesh. Tom recognises what that means, uh, that, that, that all that Jesus said was actually true, that Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, uh, that, that Jesus is the way to the Father. Thomas recognises that he has met God in the flesh. Uh, now, this book that uh, uh, Mark mentioned earlier, there's a great moment in the book at uh, page 33 where she recalls the moment uh, in the movie, uh, 10 Things I Hate About You, uh, where the Australian actor Heath Ledger, the bad boy of the film, uh, serenades the girl that he loves with the words of, can't take my eyes off you, including the third line of that song that goes, uh, you'd be like heaven to touch. Anyone want to sing it? No? Okay, good. Okay, we'll leave that there. Uh, but uh, uh, you'd be like heaven to touch. 
Uh, it's interesting. Um, uh, the author, she picks up on the line and says, uh, it's an interesting line because heaven is actually not first a place. It's actually first about a relationship. It's about a relationship with God, your father, through Jesus Christ, his son. And, and in touching Jesus, Thomas has actually realized he's touching heaven. He's touching the way to the father. As he reaches out, puts his hands in Jesus' wounds, he's, he's, he's touching the way, the truth, the life. That's Thomas's experience of the resurrection. Jesus gave Thomas the evidence required in order that he might believe. In fact, you get a summary of the whole biography of Jesus next in the passage. It's written so that, so that you, us, we might believe. Have a look at verse 29 there. Then Jesus told him, because you've seen me, you've believed. Uh, blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of these disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus deals graciously with doubters. In his grace, in his mercy, he gives us the evidence necessary to believe, as Thomas has. However, Jesus' generosity will not continue forever. Uh, in the next six or seven seconds, I'm going to commit the worst possible sin. This might be why no one but Mark sits in the front row, right? Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Did you see it? I just committed the worst possible sin. You were thinking I was going to go and be a genocidal maniac or something, you know, smash up the room, uh, maybe, maybe pull out a weapon. But, but according to the Bible, the worst possible sin is actually to do nothing. Uh, God's got something to say to us, and he sends Jesus to say it, and we just ignore it. We do nothing about it. That's active rebellion against God. You think, but it's, it's so passive by nature, like it's, how can that be so bad? But it's actually the most active form of rebellion against God. And you know this because you've seen the reaction of your parents when you did exactly that. You know, dad's doing this and giving the lecture. You roll your eyes, whatever, do nothing about it. Both you and dad know that that is active rebellion, right? Doing nothing as a consequence of being told. That's how it is for us too. God tells us how he wants us to live. And so often we just yawn, roll our eyes, do nothing in response. And Jesus is generous to doubters. We've seen that here in Thomas, haven't we? Come along to the course. Find out uh, more about this. But don't spend too long uh, not living as if Jesus was your Lord. The history books tell us that uh, this one, Thomas, travelled as far as India to tell people about the risen Lord. If you go to South India, uh, Tamil Nadu or uh, Kerala, there'll be people there who swear on their life that the apostle was there preaching the gospel. Uh, Thomas visited and preached the gospel. That, that, that's the response to knowing the resurrection. Uh, it, it's life-changing. 
Um, it's not just about the words that came out of Thomas's mouth. It's a, a change of heart. It's a change of mind. It's a change of speech. Uh, it's a whole life change when you believe the resurrection. When you believe the resurrection, death, death is no longer the worst thing that can happen to you. Uh, sure, it's sad and regretful, but it's not the end. That's the great joy of the resurrection. When you believe the resurrection, you're part of a body of people who you will see again after death. You'll see them living their best life, not here when, where sin corrupts, but in heaven. Knowing that, how good would it be if more than 43% of Australians believed that, knew that, lived in response to that? How much better off would we be? So thank God for Thomas. His high bar of evidence required for the resurrection. And thank God more for Jesus, who went through life to death, through death to life, that we might know God our Father. Thank God that Jesus deals graciously with those who doubt gives them ample evidence to believe. Let me lead us in prayer. Uh, dear Father in heaven, we do thank you for Thomas. Uh, we thank you for his movement from unbelief to belief, his recognition of Jesus as his Lord and God. And thank you that in his response, you remind us that you're patient with us, that you generously give us the evidence that we need. Father, we are sorry. We're sorry that we naturally uh, commit that most terrible of sins, the sin of doing nothing in response to your grace. And, and so please help us in doing something. Please help us in changing in light of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, please help us to grow in our confidence in the anchor of faith, uh, growing confidence of the hope of heaven through the resurrection of our Lord and God, Jesus Christ. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.